Good afternoon. Yeah, evening. One of them. Can everybody hear me? All right. Well, um, Danny, I looked around. I didn't see any torches or pitchforks. But uh, just in case, just have your shoes off in case they decide to run us out because I really, this is the first time. Um, no, I'm kidding. Thank you all so much for, Brother Barry, thank you for giving me the opportunity to do this. And thank you all for letting me come up here and speak to y'all and share with y'all. And um, You know, this is a, a message. God gave me the title. It's been a couple months ago. And the title of this message is, Who is Jesus? And, you know, <clears throat> it seems strange that, or it seems strange to me, like, why, why, why this title, God? Why, who is Jesus? We all know who Jesus is, or we should in some shape, form, or fashion. We know who Jesus is. And, and he was like, you know, I didn't hear an audible voice, but through my prayer and, uh, I hate to say meditation, but, you know, praying on his word and everything, and, he was like, you know, people know who Jesus is. That's true. But there's this separation that people don't really know who he is. You know, uh, for instance, at work, I was witnessing to a man one day, and he was like, yeah, you know, I've got hang-ups with um, different things about Christianity and all this. And he was like, one of my hang-ups is with that Jesus guy. And I'm like, well, that Jesus guy is pretty big in this whole Christianity thing. Uh, what's your hang-up with him? And he was like, well, I, I don't think he did what he said he did. And I was like, what part? And he was like, well, all of it. He's like, I think that he was a good teacher. And he even said, I think he taught Muhammad. And I was like, Muhammad, Muhammad, are you talking about like the Muhammad? He's like, yeah. I was like, man, there's like 600 years in between them. I don't think he like went next door and, and taught Muhammad. <clears throat> and he was like, no, I'm pretty sure he did. And I'm like, well, whatever, whatever you think. So, you know, just there's always things we don't understand. And the more, like I said, the more I thought on it, the more that it hit me. You know, how are we supposed to have a relationship with a man, with God that we don't know, that we really, we don't know like I know Danny, like I know Brother Barry, you know, like we know each other. But we're supposed to have a deeper relationship with him than we have with each other. And um, <clears throat> from that, it just kind of built and built and built and um when Brother Barry asked me to speak tonight, it was clearly evident to me why he gave me this word. So um, anyway, the title of this is Who is Jesus? And uh, you can ask Caroline and Jamie and some more of the youth. Y'all have to bear with me. I jump very bad in scripture. I don't hang out in one place too long, so y'all don't have to constantly turn with me when I say a passage. Y'all probably going to read it anyway. But um, I want to start off, you know, with who Jesus is not. You know, Jesus is not a character in a novel. You know, he's not just a hero in an epic. He's not a celebrity for entertainment, an attraction for bewilderment. He's not a mythical being or a public figure. He's not a demigod being part man, part God. He's not a cheap illusionist or a con man. He's not a hippie, and he's really not even a religious leader. Jesus surpasses all of those things. So who is he? Who is this mystery man that we worship? Even though we've never seen him, we've never met him, we've never been able to, to grasp physically who he is. And um, from there, I've got three examples of who Jesus is. 
And uh, to start off with, the first example is one that is pretty evident. Jesus is God. You know, if you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn to John chapter 1, we'll be reading the first five verses in John chapter 1. <clears throat> but when we think of Jesus being God, our minds, they want to tend to think towards the Trinity. And how can one man be three men and three men be one man all together but all separate, all working, all in one place and every place at one point and all points of time? You know, how, how can we grasp this? And I don't really want to get stuck on that right now. I just want us to see attributes of God in Jesus. Okay? So... He is God. Now, Jesus, he never came out in the scriptures and in plain Aramaic, Aramaic said, I am God. However, we are told in multiple different ways in multiple different places that he is, in fact, God. These ways may not be black and white to us, but to the people who he told these to and who the, the stories were shared to, it was very evident to them who he was. So again, we in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and we'll read those real quick. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know, this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture because it shows us plainly that as long as there has been God, there has been Jesus. Now, I'm jump off at neck deep. God has no beginning. Jesus has no beginning. They are both eternal, but what we know is that from the, be the beginning of God, we have had the beginning of Jesus, okay? So I also particularly love what title John uses in describing Jesus in this, when he calls Jesus the Word. I love that so much. Um, this is not the only place that Jesus is referred to as the Word in the Bible. Uh, last week, Brother Barry actually was going through Revelation 19, and um, in Revelation 19:13, Jesus is called the Word of God. It's actually on his uh, robe. Um, and my thing is, 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 do you think that's a coincidence? Do you think it's a coincidence that Jesus is called the Word of God? Okay, so <clears throat> we have the Word of God, that's about the Word of God, who is the Word of God, okay? So, how did Jesus get here? This is more than just a history book. It's more than a, a children's storybook, to say the least. And I know there's a bunch of people that want to defute this and, and try to disprove the Bible. However, this Bible is connected from the beginning to the end, every verse, everything. And, you know, speaking of Jesus, if you want to split the Bible into three different parts, you can go from Genesis to Malachi, which says Jesus is coming, Matthew to John, Jesus is here, and then Acts to Revelation, Jesus is coming back. All three sections, this whole Bible points to Jesus in some shape, form, or fashion. So, 
Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that's exactly what happened. A teenage girl named Mary who was betrothed, engaged to marry a man named Joseph comes up pregnant. And there is never in history been a virgin get pregnant and there will never again in history be a virgin get pregnant it's impossible it's physically impossible except through God so God that that occurrence screams God okay so then I got to thinking also I was like okay so are there places in scripture where Jesus may not have just bluntly said I am God but where he did, in fact, allude, I guess would be a good word to say, allude to the point that he is God. And from there, it took me to uh, John chapter 10. And John chapter 10, 30 is just as plain as it can get. I and the Father are one. Jesus himself is saying that he is God. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that he is... Notice that Jesus, Jesus doesn't say that he is God, but he says that they are one, Okay. He shows the relationship with that. He shows that there's not a conflict, a battle of power between the two. He's not showing that, you know, we're both trying to share the same seat. He's showing that they're the same, they're one and the same. And, um, you know, we could, we could really, we could spend all night sitting here talking about different occasions where he says that he is God, but I'm going to shorten some of them. And I got a little list here of titles that, I say titles, titles, references to God that also reference to Jesus when it came point to the, um, the differences between the Old and the New Testament. And the first one is the Good Shepherd, you know. Uh, Psalm 23, it plainly calls God the shepherd, okay. And then we got John 10, 11, where Jesus says that he is the Good Shepherd, judge of all people. In John 5, 27, Jesus explains that he is the judge of all people. But in Joel chapter 3, verse 12, the judge of all people is referred to as God. The bridegroom, in Isaiah 62, 5, God is referred to as the bridegroom of Israel. But in Matthew 2, 51, Jesus says that he is, in fact, the bridegroom. And then also, the biggest one, in my opinion, is the forgiving of sins. Okay? Psalm 103, 8 through 12 is God being able to, being the only one to forgive sins. But then Mark 2, 5, Jesus is just blatantly, no, I can forgive sins, you know. And um, not only that, but in John 14, 13 through 14, Jesus tells his audience that, hey, whatever you pray and you ask in my name, it will, it will, it will happen. It will be answered. You know, Jesus was and is God. But... Along with that, he was also a man, fully God, and fully man. So that brings me to my second point, which was Jesus was a man. Now, I'm going to try to stay as far away from irreverence as I can, but I don't know about y'all, but me personally, when I read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I read of Jesus, it's hard for me to read and imagine and play out in my mind 
a loving, compassionate Savior. He is that. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not denying that. He is 100% that. But I see, in my mind, I have a hard time seeing the compassionate side. I see, you know, Jesus walking the streets and taking care of business, not being stern, but being serious. He's got a job to do. He's here to do that job. And once this job's taken care of, I've got to move on to the next job and then the next. But <clears throat> what we see is that, you know, while he was that, he also had compassion. But he was fully God. He was fully man. He had duties to do that required his fully God side, but his fully man side couldn't always keep up with that, per se. So what I'm saying is Jesus got tired. He got hungry. He got thirsty. He even got angry. He had emotions that we have. And like I said, I'm, I'm trying my hardest to stay away from the irreverence, but we need to really understand that Jesus is fully God and fully man. He was fully God and fully man. That's why we can have such a close relationship with him. Amen. No one has seen God. We're told that in John. We're told that in several different places. Nobody's seen God. There are people that have seen Jesus. Um, I know we haven't, but there was a reason that God went about the way he did of sending Jesus to us, and that was to form that relationship. So I want to look at a few examples of the humanity of Jesus. John 1.14, since we're in John 1, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So this verse actually is applicable to both points. You can look at point one for this verse and point two. Jesus became flesh. God became flesh for us. He came for us. Another set of scripture that I like that better portrays that to me is Philippians chapter two, verses five through seven. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He came <clears throat> as a man for us. What's the best way to see that he is a man? I, I, I really pondered on that a while. How do we know, not how do we know, but what, what's the evidence that proves he was a man? And I didn't grasp it for the first little while, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks. It's the fact that he was born, and he grew. Okay, We all know Jesus was born. I covered that a little bit just a second ago. He was born of a virgin, you know, all this. But if you'll turn to Luke chapter 2, there's two verses in specific that I want to really focus on here. Yes, he was born. He was born of a virgin, but he was still born nonetheless. He was born a physical, a physical child, but there's... Two verses, verses 40 and verses 52, that I really want to focus on here. And Luke chapter 2, verse 40 says, And the child grew, the child being Jesus, and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And then verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So, <clears throat> this desk, it's an inanimate object. It can neither shrink nor grow on its own or with help. In order for it to shrink, we've got to essentially damage it 
And in order for it to grow, we have to essentially damage it in order to build it back. Okay? Our bodies. Our bodies don't, they're not damaged when we grow. Okay? A living thing, when it's growing, is not necessarily damaging. Okay? So, Jesus grew as a man proving to us that he is, in fact, a man, okay? So, not only that, but Hebrews 4.15 tells us that Jesus was also tempted in every way that we can be tempted, okay? He, he, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize for our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know, I don't see God being tempted, but I can see Jesus being tempted, even more so than we have record of it. Um, I think it would be a laughable matter for Satan to approach God and say, hey, you know, what about this kingdom right here? All that you can see can be yours. But when you look at Matthew chapter 4, what Satan did with Jesus was he waited until he was hungry. He waited until he was tired. He waited until after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came at him. Because the man's side of Jesus was worn out. The God side was where it needed to be. He was good as he could get. But Satan knew that, hey, this was a man, so I'm going to attack this man at his weakest point. Hey, if you are who you say you are, tell these stones to become bread. You know, he, he Satan further proved that Jesus is who he said he is. He further proved that Jesus was a man. So here's some other ways that I found that showed his humanity. That right there, he hungered after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in Matthew chapter 4. He grew tired and thirsty, traveling through Samaria, and he came to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He experienced immense loads of sorrow and grief in the Garden of Gethsemane. And not only that, but the ultimate thing is he died. You have to be alive to die. Now, he didn't stay dead, but he died. That, to me, that's about as evident as you can get, okay? So, we got it. Jesus was a God. No, excuse me. Jesus, Jesus is God. Jesus is, was a man. But now I want to look at this third and final point of who Jesus is. And this is the most important part. Jesus is a brother, and he's also a friend, okay? He's not an unreachable person. He's not... He's not so distant that we can't, I don't know what word I'm looking for, have fellowship with him, okay? He's real. He's there. And I kind of, I struggled for a long time trying to think of a, a really good way of showing Jesus' love and compassion. And I thought about um, Jesus at the tomb with Lazarus when he wept and then the further I thought about that, and I was like, no, that doesn't apply because he was weeping because of the lack of the faith, lack of faith of Mary and Martha. And I was trying to think of just different ways, different, different things. And I finally, I said, look, I said, I got to have help. So I called Danny. I said, what have you got? I don't have a clue. I got, I've got clues, but it don't fit right. And she was like, well, what about Jesus and his mother? And she explained it to me, and that's perfect. So John 19 verses 25 through 27. 
I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory here. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's already been beat. He's been mocked. He's been spit on. He's now hanging from a cross, battling for every breath. Um, this is a side note. I don't know if y'all have ever looked at the, the actual happenings of why he was on that cross that was happening to his body. It was pure, torturous hell for however long he stayed on that cross. But while he was in this torture, this extreme agony, he took time to make sure that his mother was okay. John 19, verses 25 through 27. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour the disciple took her to his own home. In the deepest part of Jesus' agony. You know, oftentimes I think we forget just how bad it was on that cross. Even more than the physical aspect, Jesus was ultimately alone. You know, these few people that stood at the, the foot of the cross were literally all that were there, okay? At this point, he has fully taken on all of our sins. Every sin from the beginning of, of mankind to the end of mankind, he's got every sin on him right now. God has turned his back away from him. This is, this is Jesus' lowest moment. He is 100% by himself. And, you know, I, I think of that, and I thought of when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, you know, he's sweating blood. But even at that point... Luke tells us that God sent an angel to minister him, to strengthen him. This is just Jesus. This is just Jesus. And he's in such extreme agony and such grief. He's all alone. There's no one with him. His, one of his three greatest friends has just denied him three times. Um, one of his 12 followers sold him out for our equivalent of $3,000, you know, this is rock bottom as rock bottom can get. And instead of hanging on that cross and thinking, God, why did you do this? Was this the only way? He said, it had to be done, first of all. But he looks down and he sees his mother. And, you know, give a little bit of a backstory. Women in that time didn't have a lot that they could do for themselves. So, we think that Joseph was passed by this point. We know that Jesus had brothers, so they could have taken time up with Mary, could have taken her in. But even more than that, he sees his disciple that's been faithful to him this whole time, and he says, Mother, behold your son. Behold your mother. He's making sure that she is taken care of. He won't leave you alone. He's there for you. Now we know that he hung on the cross, he died on the cross, but he rose in, rose in three days. He's there for us in a way that now, at that point, they couldn't comprehend, and we still can't comprehend how he can be for every one of us at one time, but he still is. But he's there for you, and what he wants is he wants us to come and to have a relationship with him. He doesn't want us to keep him back here as a get-out-of-hell-free card. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in trouble. I've got, to, I've got to have some stuff worked out. You know, I've tried everything I know. I really don't know what to, oh, yeah. What about that Jesus guy? He wants a relationship. He wants to be the first one you call, not the last one you call. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30 says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? We know he's not a mythical being. He's not this religious hippie walking around with throwing peace signs to everybody and whatnot. But we know who Jesus is. He is God. He's a man. He's a son, lowercase s. He's a son, capital S. He was a baby. He was a teenager. He laughed. He cried. He hurt and he loved. He traveled and he taught. He forgave. He ate and he drank. He's a friend. He's a brother. He got tired. He slept. He's a sacrifice. He prayed. He healed. He died for you. But the greatest thing is, is he would do it all over again. All over again. Everybody, I know him. I know him 100%. I hope all of you know him. If you don't know him, please come talk to me, talk to Brother Barry, talk to somebody. Because that's, that's what we need. He wants that relationship. We need that relationship. So that's the invitation. I'm going to go ahead and pray. And uh, just for everyone to bow their heads. Father, we come to you today, Lord. And I thank you so much for Jesus, Lord. I feel like that's something that we don't say very often. We don't thank you for the opportunity to have a relationship with you in such an intimate way as we have with Jesus, Lord. We take it for granted. We take it for granted that we can come to you with anything and everything, Father. We take it for granted the compassion and the love and the forgiveness that you have offered through uh, to us through Jesus, Lord. We, we're all guilty of having Jesus in our back pocket, having him there when we need him there, Lord. And God, I just pray that you, you convict us all of that, all of us who are guilty of it, Lord, and we're all guilty of it. I pray that you convict us for it and that we all come to you and seek forgiveness for that Lord God I thank you so much for that cross I thank you so much that you you came to us you took on flesh you came to us as a servant in order to save us so that we can have relationship with you God we deserve nothing but the gates of hell and the depths of hell but instead Lord you made sure that we have an opportunity. We have a way to come to you. Everybody, I, I love you all. And as Miss Lisa starts playing, if you will just open your hearts, open your minds, and if you don't know Jesus, please don't hesitate. Don't take another moment. Come to him now. Start that relationship. If you already have that relationship, praise God. Thank you so much for having that relationship. 
that needs to be stronger. Come to the altar. Talk to him. Talk to him where you are. Thank him for what he did. Ask him for forgiveness. Ask him for more help, whatever it may be. If you need anything, come to this altar. If you'll all stand and we'll open it up for invitation.